0: live presented by collider health welcome into one bills live i'm steve tasker chris brown is taking a day off uh, and to join me today is uh, chris trapasso cbs sports uh, who's a friend of the show and you all have not seen him before you're gonna have to muddle through with me as the host <laughs> today uh Appreciate you being with us. We got a ton of stuff going on today. This is a normal Friday practice, a normal Thursday practice on a Friday for the Bills with the Monday night game. They move everything back to keep in their routine. Even the menu at the lunch, even the menu upstairs is a Thursday menu, Thursday menu. rather than right. a Friday menu. Uh, today we got. Uh, Along with Chris and I, we're gonna have Stevie Johnson in, who's the legend of the game, coming in at one thirty, and then at the top of the hour, the two o'clock hour, Greg Cosell will come on with us as well, and then after that, or at some point, we'll have post-practice sound from the players. We usually don't have that on Friday because it's usually it comes on Thursday. So yeah. now today we're gonna to have some of that as well. A lot going on. Also, the the Twitter uh, topic is out there. It's a fan mail bag. Answer your questions. Ask your ask or comment on the Bills. You can do that at at one Bills Live, and you know chris we it i'm surprised i know it's friday finger quotes thursday but i'm always surprised at man how fast we jump into the next game on two days ago it was like oh my gosh it's cincinnati this cincinnati that or offense this or offense that or defensive injuries and the def- now it's like let's go denver you know it's the game the, the season just tumbles downhill
1: yeah that's kind of the beauty of the nfl that you can't really celebrate too long about a win or a loss, you can't sulk for too long because you have to start game planning <laughs> for the next week and right. the Bills with this kind of unique schedule with all the primetime games, the Thursday night game just last week, you get kind of the mini-bye going into the Bengals game and now entering that crucial stretch not only because of the teams that they play but just the second half of the season that uh, so many teams and a few of them uh, Bills teams during the drought started off really well in the first half. It's really how you play November, December, January. That's Kind of yeah. become the new standard for this Bills team that they certainly want to get off to good starts in September and October, but they understand and the Patriots were so good at this throughout the entire Brady era, playing your best football down the stretch. Starts right now in the second half of the season for the Bills.
0: Yeah, and before we get into the Bills Broncos neck deep into it, um, you know, did you did you catch? By the way, this this week's game against the Broncos is presented by Independent Health. Independent Health, you deserve the red shirt treatment. Before we get into that, did you see any of the game last night, the Bears-Panthers game?
1: What's funny about that is I think sometimes, and, and I'm I'm not trying to, to generalize all Bills fans, but sometimes you see the Bills recently, they've struggled in the first quarter, first half of games offensively. The defense is giving up more big plays than ever in the Sean McDermott era. Watching that Thursday night football game, if you're like, hey, look, there's nothing else on, I'm going to watch this. Kind of a reality check as to what some teams have to deal with with their quarterbacks, with their offensive line, the skill position talent. So I think it was a good reality check for any Bills fans to say, hey, look, even Josh Allen and the Bills maybe not operating as good as they have in the first half, better than about 90% of the teams out there, even when they're not at their best.
0: Right. You and I were talking before we came on the show. And we, we, you know, it was a tough week for Bills fans because of the Cincinnati game Mm -hmm. and there's a couple of generalized, and I know, you know, Bills. Some Bills fans. There's always a, a, a percentage of Bills fans don't want to hear anything about it, about you know, commiserating or or that what they call excuse making or whatever. Like I got to tell you, you look back and the Bengals. The Bengals are on a heater. There's no two ways about it. They are playing really well. They've won their fourth game against the Bills, and the week before. Uh, they played a 49ers team. In
1: San Francisco. In
0: San Francisco and and thumped them by 17 points. Um,
1: it's a good football team.
0: And they're a good, yeah. Really good football the team. The Niners are a good football team. They were, you know, before that, they were everybody's, you know, darling. Um, they, let's see here, the Niners, oh, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong year. The Niners come out and they got beat 31-17. So they got beat by 14 points, two touchdowns. The Bills go into Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got a home game against the Bills and only beat them by six. Then we go back further and go a little deeper than that, and people are kind of romanticizing uh, the offense and the way it was under Brian Dable. And I did too. The guy was a great coordinator, was. And you can say what you want as well about statistics, and you can bend statistics any way you want. Let me just tell you something. Every conceivable metric you can name, just about, the Bills are better now under Ken Dorsey statistically than they were against were with Brian Dable. And that's both ways. That's both numbers-wise and, comparatively speaking, the leagues they're playing in. Mm-hmm. The 2021-2022 yeah. league with Dable – or 2020. Twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one years with Dable, the twenty two and twenty-three year with Dorsey, the offense is better now than it was. Yeah. And that's the hard part to get around. And it's really important to keep that
1: in perspective because I, I I do think from that, because we saw the maturation of Josh Allen under Brian Dable, that he was a rookie that flashed a little bit, but looked like he needed to go a long ways to 2019, took that step, and then the huge step in 2020, where he got an MVP vote at the end of that season. I think that raised the standard where Bills fans believed that every game every week every month was going to look like a perfect efficiency with Cole Beasley in his prime and John Brown in his prime and Diggs coming over that right. it's it's not inconceivable that the Bills aren't going to necessarily play that type of football every quarter every drive and I think yes in that Bengals game set from the, the uh after the first drive into the second quarter, toward the end of that half, yes, that was a lull. After that, the Bills' offense moved the football at will. The Dalton Kincaid uh, fumble was kind of a fluky play where he gets flipped over and Jermaine Pratt kind of hits him in a weird way. He fumbles. Had he not fumbled, they kind of felt like the Bills were going to score. They get the ball right back, go down and score again. So... Those lulls are going to be there, even with the best teams. If you watch the Chiefs in earlier this season, watch the yeah. Bengals. Joe Burrow had the lowest quarterback rating in the NFL in the first month of the season. So the ebbs and the flows yeah. will be there yeah. with how this team, regardless salty, of who the quarterback is. How
0: salty do you think the the Chiefs fans are now? The bit the Chiefs are on a bye this week, um, and most recently, if I can get back to uh, back to where they were, that the, the most recently, the Chiefs coming off a, a what a, a fourteen point fifteen point loss to the Broncos, and then they beat the the Dolphins to go into their bye week. But Chief, how salty were Chiefs fans scoring nine points against the Denver Broncos? A it team, happens a team that the Miami Dolphins hung seventy points on.
1: It happens, and I think not that it guarantees that it will happen, but you and I were talking just before this. Uh, the 2021 Bills, I always go back to with, with this season. I think you can compare kind of last year, going 13 and 3 to the 2020 13 and 3. But if you compare this year, 2021, they lose 9 to 6 to the Jaguars. Then in December, they lose the wind game to the Patriots, 14 to 10. The follow and everyone was down after that. The following week, they get down huge to the Tom Brady Buccaneers. Josh Allen storms that team back. They get two overtime they kind of there's some bad calls late in that game. Stefan Diggs doesn't get called for an or a defensive pass interference on him. There's one on Mike Evans in overtime. They lose that game in overtime. The Bills are 7 and 6 then. They're 7 and 6 and the rookie year Mac Jones Patriots are kind of knocking on the door to maybe unseat the Bills and have that Bills AFC East reign be one season. After that they went four in a row and we know that and we all the Patriots kind of were among agree, them. Yeah. We're, we're would agree that that was the Bills' probably best chance to get to a Super Bowl with how they demolished the Patriots in the Wild Card round, and of course the 13-second game against the Chiefs in Kansas City. So the Bills know that, and I think the leaders on the team, the guys who have been there, Diggs, Davis, Josh Allen certainly, Ken Dorsey was there for all of that, certainly Sean McDermott, they understand, look, we... We don't want to be five and four at this point, but playing our best football starting in the second half of the season is more important than anything else.
0: They've done it before. Yeah, they've
1: done it before. Just two years ago,
0: we thought about this too, and we were having a conversation about how you know the the best case scenario and worst case scenario, and how and how it might roll out. When you looking back at the beginning of the season, when the Bills were you know the Bills were good. I mean, no question, they walked into New York, and uh, and you know Josh was hyped up and turned it over. And they lose to the the Jets, then they win three in a row, and I mean they look good doing it. Thirty-eight ten, thirty-seven to three, forty-eight twenty. So they look good doing it. Now then in these last six weeks it's been a loss and a win and a loss and a win and a loss. So they're coming out of this and you think back to what would happen and when you want you think back to what the expectations were. Certainly we want to win every game when you start the season, but you're playing the NFC East with Philly, Dallas, uh, Washington, and um, Giants. and the Giants, and you're thinking, okay, that's a tough schedule. Then you're also playing the AFC West with the Chiefs, with the Chargers, with the Broncos, with the Raiders, and you're thinking, okay, all right, you know, it's it's kind of a gauntlet of a schedule. Plus, you got Cincinnati, in, plus, you got Cincinnati and Jacksonville mixed in, <laughs> it's so tough, so it's a tough a schedule. It's a, it's a first place schedule, no question about it. So, you're thinking, man, the one seed is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. They can still win the division, the AFC East. If And really what it's going to come down to is the three division games, you yep. would think. Mm-hmm. They do that. Everything's still in front of them. But they got to get the point where they got to start clicking again, like they did in weeks two, three, and four. They've yeah. got to find something that's there and go. And I think most Bills fans know it's in there. It's frustrating not to have seen it yet. But I think like you and I, is like, I want to I, I, – this team, even though they're in eighth place in the playoff run, this is a playoff caliber team they're i've said it since 20, 19, since 2020 they are really hard to beat that's true we talked about it yesterday with chris <laughs> chris brown every game is like self-inflicted one point one possession loss they, they've had i think only two games where they've lost by more than
1: one score Bengals
0: game in the playoffs and the Colts. Yeah, 45-15 when the Colts came back after getting put out of the playoffs last year.
1: So those are the only, like, to beat the Bills, and it's, it's really the case with a lot of the best teams. You don't see a lot of times where the Chiefs lose like they just did to the Denver Broncos. If they lose, it's usually by a field goal, by four points, by a touchdown. The Bills proved against again in Cincinnati decimated with injuries a bad start again on offense they lose that game by six points one
0: of the things that got us through the offseason was the fact this team was 13 and three last year you throw out the the Bengals games they never you know um they lost three games by a total of eight Eight points points. um you go back to 2021 and you're right you go all all the way back to week six no I'm sorry that's not right week 10 and it's 45-17 against the Colts that's it um Every other game in that every other game in that season was also one of those you know, one score, game. score games.
1: And this is not to say that I think like everything is perfect with the Bills. They should be completely complacent and, and, and happy with five and four. What I think, if you're talking about the off season and, and going in, what we expected with the schedule, uh, all of these tough games in the AFC, playing the NFC East. Also, bringing in so many new pieces on the offensive side. I'm glad they did. I think that was the right decision to draft Osiris Torrance in the uh, second round, to draft Dalton Kincaid in the first round, bring in Trent Shurfield, Deontay Hardy. Are you going to use a lot of 12 personnel, 11 personnel? How much is is Shurfield going to play or Hardy? It's not surprising that it has even taken half of the season for Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey, just the coaching staff and the players in general to kind of feel themselves out and understand where this offense operates at its most optimal efficiency. And it probably is going to take a little bit more time to ultimately get to that point. So as long as it happens during the regular season and it is in place where this is the right amount of uh, role that we want for Hardy and for Sherfield and how much 12 personnel, 11 personnel, previously the Bills had kind of the same pieces in place and had the same philosophy. A lot of new faces, new philosophy in terms of personnel. That's why I think we're kind of in um, just watching the Bills are in this little bit of a lull because there's so many new faces from the last couple seasons.
0: Yeah, and yeah, they are 5-4, and but as you said, I mean, there's – they're playing at a high level on both sides of the ball, and most of what they're doing is execution-based and, or mistake here, mistake there. I mean, if Josh doesn't make the bad throw in their own end and if Dalton Kincaid doesn't cough it up and they're not minus two on the turnover, I think that game is very different. Mm-hmm. But my point would be there's no need to panic or to – like sometimes we do on this show, we take calls, and I'm, let's not wholesale change everything <laughs> that we're doing right now. Um, and nobody deserves to be thrown overboard. Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott, or anybody, Brandon Bean, even. Uh, we've had all kinds of calls like that. I mean, all these guys are on the on the hot seat all of a sudden. Um, no, no, um, they're back at it. They're going to come out again this week, and they're going to have a good plan, and, they're going to, and if they execute it, it's, it's going to be a win. In fact, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about what's going on today in practice. Bill's practice updates are presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Christian Benford and Micah Hyde will not practice today. Benford's hamstring and Micah Hyde had the neck stinger. Uh, they're not going to practice today. Uh, linebacker Terrell Bernard is practicing, but he's on a limited basis. He's still in the p- concussion protocol. Jordan Poyer with his shin, and Leonard Floyd, who was sick yesterday, Uh, those two guys, Poyer and Floyd, they're back on the Mm. practice field today. So uh, they'll be back at it today. I was thinking about this. Historically, it used to be back in the day when, you know, in the leather helmet days when I played. (laughs) uh, Thursdays would be your – I'm sorry, Wednesdays you'd come out after a Tuesday day off. You come in fresh. You hit the game plan. You go out on Wednesday and you throw in the, the run game. And all of that stuff, and you get the you know the first and ten, second and ten, second installs, you know yeah. installs. And then Thursday was the throwing down. You come in on third down, it'd be third down, third and long, uh, all of that stuff. Friday was a situational with goal line, short yards. I, I don't know if it's like that anymore. Mm. There's no need to spend an entire practice or day on the run game anymore, right? there's not, no. Uh, But there is a lot of first and 10 passing that Mm -hmm. goes on these days, a lot of second and long or second and short passing, that kind of stuff. So uh, I don't think it's broken up like it is, but today being a Friday uh, and being a Thursday practice, yeah, it's a a big day. They got a lot of work to do. And um, I think, you know, with what's going on around them and all this, I I think this is a team that's really resolute. I think they're going to be I think this is when they know, particularly guys like Josh Diggs, uh, even Dawson Knox and, and Mitch Morse, Hyde, Poyer, all the old guys, Leonard Floyd and Vaughn, those guys are out there going, hey, guys, this, we're good, let's go, let's shift gears here and let's let's bear down. And I, I think that's kind of the attitude.
1: And two things there. I, I think to get a little bit healthier, I need, like to not have Benford and Hyde practicing may be a little bit concerning, but even in the concussion protocol for Terrell Bernard to be limited, Uh, Poyer and Floyd to be back as full participants. I think is big for this defense that we've talked about a lot. Any Bills fan understands how decimated with injuries that unit has been. And like I mentioned, they have allowed the most explosive plays in the NFL, which is like the antithesis of what Sean McDermott has preached and what the Bills have executed. They've been one of the best teams at not allowing those explosive plays in the Sean McDermott era. When you have a team that is a lot more healthy than what it is now. Having said that, I thought the job that a lot of these stand-ins and backups did in the second half against that Bengals team to only allow three points, you suddenly throw Dorian Williams in there, the rookie, and it's him and Terrell Bernard maybe playing out of position, and you don't have a completely healthy Von Miller. Micah Hyde goes out in the middle of the game, and suddenly Taylor Rapp, who is really only signed to be your third safety, comes in to allow that offense to only score three points at home, especially in a game where, like you mentioned, Cincinnati came in on a heater, they scored 21 points in the first half, looked like they were going to score every time they touched the football, to then even get more decimated with injuries in-game and only allow three points in the second half. I thought that was a job well done by Sean McDermott, scheme-wise, and some of these backups who are starting to get more experience and more confidence and the game is slowing down for them I think that bodes well for this team that is injured on defense as we get through this second half of the season that if you're throwing a guy in there he's not deer in headlights he's right. been on Sunday night football in Cincinnati in the second half things like yeah, that yeah and
0: you get into this <laughs> excuse me you get into this and as we get deeper into this season and then closer to this Denver game, and you start to dissect what Denver has done. They certainly got off to a historically bad start, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Two weeks ago, you know they held the Chiefs to nine points, uh, which is, I, I think, a feather in their cap, no question about it. Uh, but I think one thing that they have struggled with is, is pass protection. Mm-hmm. The Denver Broncos have struggled mightily. Now they only threw the ball nineteen times against the Chiefs, and they gave up pressures on like 40% of those, uh, you know, on 40% of those snaps that they were trying to throw the football on. So Russ Wilson has been under a lot of duress. If you go in there and can stop their ability to run the football and force them to throw it, you're going to get some sacks on Russ. Uh, Conversely, their defense also forced five turnovers. Yeah, Um, That was a big reason that they won that game. Yeah, that is an enormous reason they won it but it counts. Yeah. And you got to give him some credit for that. And you can say what you want about Pat Mahomes. He has not been a turnover machine for most of his career <laughs> no. cuz he's made so many good, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not afraid to try it. And I think in those games, I think sometimes Pat Mahomes kind of says, "Listen, I'm going to oh, I'm just going to throw my way out of this. Let's go." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he, just, and he just and one time, and this time against the Denver Broncos, it didn't work.
1: Yeah, I think this is kind of a throwback game where like you mentioned, it's Uh, stop the run. And we're in this modern-day NFL where it's really stop the pass first and then worry about the run later. But Russell Wilson was the most sacked quarterback in football last season, 55 times. His sack rate last season was 10%. It's at 10% this year, which is very, very high. So you're right. I mean, it's an old-school type of game. The Bills on first and second down can get the Broncos into second and eight, third and eight, which is usually what you want to do. But when you're facing a Patrick Mahomes or a Joe Burrow, a lot of those third and eights are going to be converted. I think against Russell Wilson, if you let Sean McDermott with, we know, this more aggressive scheme that has gotten home. The Bills are near the top of the league in sacks. They're getting healthier along the defensive line with Von Miller. Um, They don't have you know Gregory Rousseau out and Shaq Lawson out um, and Oliver out. They're pretty healthy, actually, up front. That's where you can see Russell Wilson turn the football over or just get sacked, which significantly decreases the chance that a team is going to score any points on a drive. So, Stop the run, Javante Williams and company. Jaleel um, McLaughlin, who we're seeing there, made a great catch in that Jets game um, on a screen for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Get This is truly a team. It sounds cliche. Get them into third and long, and your defense is going to have a big night.
0: Steve Tasker and Chris Trapasso here with you until three o'clock. We're going to have sound from the players after they come off the practice field today. Greg Cosell is coming up also just after the bottom of the hour in about 10 minutes, we're going to have Stevie Johnson, who's a legend of the game coming back from Monday night football. Plus your tweets and all of that stuff. Uh, if you want, you can call, give us a call also at 803-0550 or 1-888-552-550. Uh, lots going on today on this Friday slash, uh, Thursday schedule. Um, I also, like to know, you know what, what are you gonna? I, I, I How's this change your weekend? Mm, I mean, because I, you almost get Sunday off. You do, you know.
1: And with it being Veterans Day, you kind of get like today's kind of a day off for a lot of people, right? And you get Sunday off, so it's like an extra long weekend. But me being again born and raised in Western New York, or not born huh. here, but raised in Western New York, in a Bills fan family. The day, the times where the Bills have the Monday night games, it seems like it takes forever. Yeah, we've been. We were about used that to week. the we were used to the one o'clock games forever. Um, it, it is kind of enjoyable being able to sit back and watch just an NFL Sunday without the Bills playing. But by the time you get to the four o'clock and then Sunday night football, and then you got the whole Monday. Uh, it definitely drags it out where you normally love a long weekend, but in the case of a Bills Monday night football game, it's like, man, it takes forever to get Brandy to Monday I, at eight o'clock. Brandon
0: and I have been whining for <laughs> weeks, yeah, about all these night games because we, you know, we'll do the show and then you kind of hang out and you, and you wait and you go out and like, you know, I'll go, I'll take a nap in the yep. afternoon. Then you get up, you, you come to the stadium or you get here and you're around and okay, it's great and. You do everything you can possibly do. And it's, you go in and, and it's 6 o'clock. And it's like you got two hours before the thing <laughs> yeah. kicks off. It's like, my gosh. And plus now time, now as, as well, it's dark at 5.30, so it's dark for hours before the game <laughs> kicks off. You feel like it's 1 a.m. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It is a long holiday weekend. You know, I I heard a rumor. My grandkids are all out of school today. They don't have to go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So the kids are all at home. Yep. Everybody's, everybody's routine is a little bit shaken up on a holiday for weekend, sure. particularly this one because this isn't like – this isn't like what you would do, like family from out of town come. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? No, no, it's not no, like Thanksgiving or Christmas no. or stuff like that, where you got people coming in. It's a big, fe- you know, all that. Yeah. This is just long weekend. Yeah, it's a long weekend. Waiting for like the you know staycation play. kind of thing, right? It's, so exactly, um, it's a different animal, and for me, it's it is going to be weird because I I got family. I do have family coming in. Oh, nice. nice. So okay. um, not for the holiday. They're coming in for the game. For they the don't game. care. They, <laughs> they could care less about me. They're staying for this game and they're staying for the next game too, the floor, oh, the awesome. jet game as well. So it's they're going to be around all day, all week. So yeah, I, the whole routine gets thrown off. It's thrown off.
1: But what I will say like what I mentioned earlier, I encourage Bills fans to watch as much NFL as you can on Sunday to get a better grasp of the standard set around the league for all the other quarterbacks. Of course, people know that Josh Allen is an elite quarterback, top two or three in the league, but look around at just other teams' defenses, their run games, the quarterbacks, and just this is your prime opportunity with the Bills playing Monday night to sit and watch. I will say about the game, it seems like, and this is a little early, the forecast is going to be uh, – it's saying that it's going to be a pretty nice night, so I still think – before it gets bitterly cold or there's a blizzard like it was for that Bengals playoff game, it's kind of nice to see the Bills and Highmark Stadium in prime time, under the lights with some good weather.
0: You know what I, I heard, and you talk about the quarterbacks, the standard quarterback play last night. Tyson Bajent and Bryce Young went at it. Bryce Young, first overall pick, mm-hmm. Tyson Bajent undrafted, rookies. D2. Both of them are rookies. All time, I just heard this a stat. I don't know if it's this article I was just reading or what, but uh, there it is, right there. It's
1: the second uh, time it's happened. Right,
0: second time it's ever happened. is two rookies. One was undrafted, and the other is the first pick of the draft. The undrafted guys are two and zero.
1: Oh my god! See, that shows that the draft is a crapshoot.
0: I well, I dive into the draft, but there you wait go. a minute now. That's not that's not all it shows <laughs> because it, you know a guy a that's lot. drafted number one overall is because the roster stinks around. True. The guy that's playing. Who was undrafted? They didn't need a quarterback, mm-hmm. and they got a pretty good roster around him. So, yep. it and it is a proof that the, it's a team sport, yes, no question sure. about it. But last night, Tyson Bagent gets the best of the number one overall pick, Bryce Young. Um, and I went back and looked, and you're right. If Bills fans want to give a little bit of a, oh, we're okay. Go watch every other all the other quarterbacks in the league exactly. play. Uh, certainly, there's some great ones: Burrow and Mahomes, and and Herbert and Lawrence, and all those guys. But, but man, they're not oh man, perfect. Man, oh, man. You, yeah. you, take a sigh of relief that you got this. <laughs> you got the guy that you got. Exactly. All uh, right. All right. Steve Tasker, Chris Traposso. We're going to take a break. Come back. Stevie Johnson, legend of the game coming up. This is Buffalo Bills Radio, and this is One Bills Live. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Steve Tasker, Chris trappaso We're going to take a phone call from Stevie Johnson in just about two seconds as we get him up. Um, this uh, this game, this Monday night game, and we talk about it a lot, but and the Bills being 4-0 in the building here. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't really, and it's funny because the league will do it, they're not going to let the Bills say they're undefeated at home because London was a home game. Oh, true. So um, In the stadium, though, 4-0. In this stadium, they're 4-0, and – I'll say this: <clears throat> since this latest version of the bills with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, and now Josh and and Steph and Vaughn, all, this building is tough. It's it's a step above. Mm-hmm. It really has become a step above. Have you do you get a chance to go to other places and watch? I don't actually, but I will
1: say this: that my dad's been a season ticket holder since the stadium right over here uh, opened in 1973, and I still go to every game with my dad, and I've noticed that in the Josh Allen era, seems louder, haven't seen as many losses, of course, just seems like one of the more difficult places to play in the entire NFL. I can't compare that to other stadiums, but even every week, asking opponents, um, you kind of hear it in the locker room, that they mention that I, I think Bill's... That that this home game, along there with Arrowhead, Highmark Stadium, is one right. of the more difficult uh, stadiums to play, and that's certainly, yeah, that's an advantage for this team. Absolutely, every single week that they get, especially a primetime game.
0: And I'll say this too: it's not. It goes with it goes without saying, but you need to add it in. One of the reasons it's a tough place to play is because the teams really hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Arrowhead. Yeah, true. You you'd hear it once in a while when they when they stunk for a long time, but once they got, you know, when Marty Schottenheimer was there, they they you know started to turn around and now of course with uh with Big Red over there mm-hmm. and Mahomes, they're yep. place off the chart. You don't hear it too much about Mile High Stadium. It used to be that was the hardest place mm-hmm. ever. Well, they had John Elway and Mike Shanahan. <laughs> yeah, that, that helps. helps. Yeah. Um a lot of it has to do with what they have to cheer for, no question. Um but more so than not, this building uh has been been really rough to play And
1: what I would say on this too, uh, and there's been a lot of talk this season, Josh Allen uh, a few weeks ago mentioning being low positive or he doesn't get too high (laughs) or too low, and then people said, hey, he should just play like himself, comes out on Thursday night football, plays what I thought was almost a flawless performance outside of the tipped interception against the Buccaneers. Allen operated as surgically as I've seen him in the NFL. To be a quarterback like Josh, to have a quarterback like Josh Allen as your guy I think more than any other quarterback, maybe in the league, he feeds off the crowd. That There are those quarterbacks that seem very stoic. They get to the sideline. It's almost like it doesn't matter if they're home, away, in London, wherever the case may be. Josh Allen, and he certainly played his fair amount of great football games on the road, but being at home when he hears that crowd get pumped up, when he hurdles a player or makes a great touchdown, I think he and the entire offense and then – the ripple effect to the entire team is significant.
0: Yeah, so, uh, well, let's ask Stevie Johnson, former Buffalo Bills. Stevie, thanks for coming on with us. Appreciate you so much. What do you think about this Monday night atmosphere and the and the and and Highmark Stadium and, and your experiences here and what it means?
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. It's good to be on with you guys again. Um, and, you know, the overall experience at, at Highmark is going to be electrifying. You know, uh from my experience it was it was already cool but you know coming back and being legend of the game um last year it was something totally different. So um for from a fan's perspective, you know it's going to be a great time, it's going to be a show. And you know from a player's perspective, I feel like we're going to get to business tonight on Monday night and um get back on track to, you know, making this big push.
1: Yeah, Stevie. So from that, what do you think, just as a former player on the offensive side of the ball, uh, that we have seen the Bills over the last month or so get off to some slow starts and then play up to the standard that we've come to expect with this Bills team in the second half, what do you think is the one or maybe two keys for the Bills to kind of hit the ground running early, not only just on Monday night against the Broncos, but for the remaining uh, you know, half of their regular season schedule and then into the playoffs?
2: Uh, what well, good question! I feel like the team's been going through phases, you know, trying to figure out offenses, offensive pieces, um, trying to figure out what uh, type of playbook will work, um, how to how to take care and manage um, our our players, you know, for the long run. And I think at this point, uh, we're we're woke. I would say so. If we just play our play our game, you know, play who we know we are, you know, play how we know we can play, um, utilize whatever playbook we need to. Uh, we can still be dominant, you know, and and I feel like it's a it's a wake up call, you know, at this moment at this point of the season because you know we lost the teams that we felt like we should have won early, um, and we've lost it and we lost the teams that we know we'll see later on if we make this this t- this push. So, you know, we had a, we had a good spot now to, to be ourselves and come out hungry and uh, get it back started at home.
0: Yeah, this week's Legend of the Game is former Bills wide receiver Stevie Johnson, the Legend of the Game presented by the BFLO Store, the official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. Stevie's going to be at the BFLO Store in Williamsville on Sunday from 1 to 2, and you can enter to win a $250 BFLO gift card and a football signed by Stevie. Enter at buffalobills.com forward slash BFLO. Stevie, you're right. I mean, that. This team has got a big engine under the hood. I always use that analogy. And sometimes it's hard for them to get it started. And, you know, a lot of fans think – have called into us and and made the assertion that it would be better, and I think fans would feel better if they would just go faster. Mm. Uh, They would pick up the pace, go no huddle, do it. Yeah, everything you can think of. What are your thoughts on the difference between go and no huddle at a fast pace, or at least no huddle and going up to the line of scrimmage and then calling the play? Even if you take the whole play clock, uh, go no huddle, so you get a longer look at the defense and you yeah. can pick and choose your play. What are your thoughts about what kind of some of this stuff that people seem to have the idea that will make a you know give the offense a spark?
2: Yeah, no, that's 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 a good uh, point, right there. A good analogy uh, that you put together. Because I personally, I love it as a as a player. You know, as a receiver, you go to the line and you can kind of see one, two, or three options of what the movement of uh, the defense is doing. And then you know, when you got we already have elite quarterbacks. We have elite positions, uh, skill positions everywhere. So I think the roar of the crowd saying, "Let's do this. Let's try this. Let's try," because we know we have all the pieces to do it. So. Um, I would say this to combat that, though. I think we'll try it. They're probably doing it at, at practice. Um, they're probably getting prepared for all of it. They, they hear us, you know. I feel like they hear us, um, and and we got the stars to do it. You know, it's nothing holding us back. You know, I think it's just um, a matter of time and um, utilizing at the right at the right time. You know, um, right now we're still figuring it out. We're still figuring pieces uh, our pieces out everywhere you know, um, dealing with things that that doesn't have to do with, you know, the the, the, the play per se, I would say like through injuries, you know, trying to fit people in. You know, it's a lot that we're going through, Uh, no excuses, but I think we're able to do all the things that the fans are requesting, and I think it'll show in in time.
1: All right, Stevie, you were always famous when you played with the Bills for kind of being that freestyle player that when in a time in the league where – Wide receivers had to run very specific routes on a certain amount of steps and break toward the sideline eight steps after. You were shaking guys at the line with basketball crossovers and famously with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Chan Gailey, it was like, hey, just go and get open. Talk to the listeners about how important it is for a quarterback that in Josh Allen has become an elite quarterback unquestionably in the NFL. Talk about how important it is for him to just play football. I know that sounds cliche, but just maybe even lean on some of the backyard stuff that he did with his brother uh, back in California and at Wyoming and early in his career that for as good as Josh has been from the pocket this season, talk about how important it is to have that extra element of just having fun and playing football.
2: Yeah, it's, it's very important. I think that's just getting back to the basics and, uh, and, who we've seen him to be as he's grown to who he is now. You know, we've seen him be that rebel player, that backyard football player. So we know it's in him. Um, you know, we it's, it's just we got to take a lot of other things into into the account, you know. What else is going on in his ear, like with, you know, check downs, throw it here, or protection. You know, a lot of other things happen, you know. Um, so now, because, you, you know, there was a phase when he was doing really well and um, doing risky things. and we And people were saying, hey, just, go down or don't run or don't take that. You know what I'm saying? So it's always going to be something, you know. But the whole fact of getting back to the fun and, and going up there and playing football with your boys is very important. And that's, and that's something that they should listen to and should hear because as a as a star player, you're as good as your star is. But then if you got another star, you just, hey, let him be a star too. And then that's, that's what, what may fit so good all around the league. He wasn't just trying to make the play for himself, uh-huh. you know. He knew he had other star power and let them do do their thing, you know. And that's what, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I think we're getting to now when we have uh, Cook, Kincaid, Gabe. We got Dig. We got to feed our boys first, you know. Um, but, you know, it's all it's all timing and, and then situation. So, you know, it, it, that, that's where the team come in at. When I we got to talk about defense, you know, is it a situation with field position? So we're going to do so much, I would say, but. Um, you know, getting back to the backyard football, I think they're there. You know, it, it, it's pretty interesting that we talk about – we talk like this with um, about adjusting the offense. And our offense is pretty much like a top ten, top five defense. Our quarterback is top five in the league. I feel like, you know, it's just more evolution to go. So, I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for Monday night.
0: All right, Stevie, when you get in town? Do you know yet?
2: Yeah, I, I get in tomorrow. Tomorrow night I'll, I'll be in.
0: Is there any – all right, give me a quick – Quick handful of stuff that you got every time you come back, what do you do? Are there people you see, certain people you see? Are there things you do, places well, you go? Yeah. What are they Yeah, yeah. that you can yeah, share I with actually,
2: us? Yeah, <laughs> I Actually, uh, I always go check out our, our wheelchair football team. Right. As a matter of fact, you, you know, it's Salute to Service game. So shout yep. out to them. shout out Mr. Wheels and One Leg Day. Um, I'll be at Everything Vintage. I got some friends in the community, um, Buffalo Go. You know, we do things like comedy shows and, um, and fashion shows. Um, and then you know, I, I usually uh, take care of the business with with all my my business with the bills. So um, I'm trying to get both both worlds, get in the community and do my professional
1: thing. Is there any place that you like have to get food from, like Barbell? Were you not a Barbell guy or any pizza? Like, where are you going to eat when you're here?
2: Uh, it's usually at, at Lenovo's or Elmo's.
1: Okay, uh, all right, yeah, I, yeah, good yeah, choices.
2: I, I, I recently went to Elmo's um, again. It's been a while. But um, mainly Lenovas or, or Elmo's. Those wings are Elmo's. is
1: crazy. Man. Can go wrong. Go,
0: man. Perfect. Yeah. Stevie, yeah. thanks for being on with us, man. Travel safe. We'll look for you on Monday Night Football. One
2: love, brother. See y'all later.
0: All right. Thanks, Stevie. Steve, uh, Legend of the game, Stevie Johnson with us here. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to do this. Excuse me, Mr. Tasker. Uh, we got some entrance for that. Uh, we solicited fans to submit their questions uh, or their request for a story from me. Uh, because I'm an old guy and I got lots of them. Winners are selected at random. They'll receive a premium mystery box of signed items. It could be stuff from, like, Bruce Smith signed photo, a Steph Diggs signed jersey, mm. uh, Jim Kelly replica helmet. Uh, there are rules that will pl- that apply, but you can visit buffalobills.com forward slash uh, TSE Tasker. buffalobills.com forward slash TSE Tasker. That'll give you the rules. And... Uh, I appreciate it. We'll do that after the break. Steve Taster, Chris Trapasso and on One Bills Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Steve Taster, Chris Trapasso, in. Chris is in for Chris Brown, uh, who's taking a day. Um, now it's time for, and I, I'm, I've got to read this again. I did this just before the break. Now I've got to read it again. And I'm going to read it word for word, and I'm going to read about myself in the third person. It's time now for Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker, presented by Total Sports Enterprises, an official sports memorabilia partner of the Buffalo Bills. We solicited fans to submit their questions for their requ- or their requests for a story from Wall of Famer Steve Tasker. We know he has plenty of them. I never noticed that. as kind of insulting. Winners <laughs> selected at random will receive a premium mystery box of signed items. This could be a Bruce Smith signed photo or a Stefan Diggs signed jersey or even a signed Jim Kelly replica helmet. Rules do apply. Visit buffalobills.com forward slash TSC Tasker. This tweet is today is from uh, Jamie who asked hello steve can you break down the first block punt that you had as a buffalo bill it was week i believe week 11 of nineteen eight, week 12 of 1986 i got picked up um on week right before week 11 i guess um uh, and played against the pittsburgh steelers in what was then rich stadium played them here in highmark stadium chuck Knoll and all those guys marvel Levy's first game as head coach we win then we go to New England. Okay. So we go to New England and during the week leading up to it and this is a true story, Marv holds me out of practice after practice on Wednesday and says I want to I want to try some have you ever Rushed punts. I go, no, I've never done it. He says, here's what I want you to do. And he walked me through. He goes, this is going to take, it's going to be seven steps off the side. You come in and you're not going to run at the punter. You're going to run at the block point. And we'll, through film study, mm-hmm. we're going to tell you where the block point is and all this. He goes, you, you get your, your, your leg, you know, seven steps off the edge. Come in. And when you go in, go really low and look right through your hands and take the ball off his foot down low. And you see, he goes, I know you see guys jumping up high to kick. Don't do it that way. Go in really low and, and block this, block the kick like that. So we run through it a couple of times. It's snowing. It's snowing and it's wet. And my best bud, one of my best buds is John Kidd, the punter. And he's out there with us. He's hitting it for me. So a couple of times I'm trying to, you know, the head coach is out there doing this for me and I am, busting a gut trying to look good doing it oh yeah bad. right because I, I got picked up off waivers they're gonna Routine. cut me if i don't look good right yeah so i'm going hard i slip and slide and i i slide right into john's leg plant leg of the. i mean we're in a heap and he's looking at, like my best bud he's looking at me like you donkey what are you doing <laughs> right so we get through it on this wednesday afternoon i think okay so i watch a little film after that and we go to new england and the old Sullivan Stadium, which, by the way, was an atrocity—the stadium itself and the surface. So we go in there, and it's just before halftime, and we're not—we're not, we're not and we were, you know, we were two and eight at the time, or two and a, two and nine, or one and nine, or one and ten, or something. You know, <laughs> okay. we'd won like this the week before, so I think it was our second win of the year. And we're in New England, and we're trailing, and they, we force them to punt just before halftime. And sure enough, I come in off the left side and go for it. So I come in off the right side, and there it is. There it is off the left side of the defense, and bat it right back up into the air. And we're right in field goal range already. And I come walking off the field. Right as I'm walking off, Marv, I kind of link eyes with Marv, and sure enough, he goes. And (laughs) I was his boy from that moment on, right?
1: Yeah, I was going to say. So this play was probably integral to you. Making a name for yourself in Buffalo because, like you mentioned, you didn't want to mess up. You That's just right. got picked up off waivers. Right. Maybe if you don't block that punt, I mean, it would have needed to be another play for you to make. Ultimately, yeah. had seven of them
0: and never did it yeah. in college. Northwestern never, never, never rushed punts in college. I returned them.
1: But you returned and them. Okay. Uh, okay. Interesting
0: too. I, Rich Camarillo is the punter. I'd forgot about Rich Camarillo being that. I had some success against Rich um, later on and a uh, couple of years later he was with Arizona at the time Blocked the punt punting, and didn't block it but tackle him sip, sack stripped him you know oh, okay. kind of thing and uh in the and that was a game where i had my first touchdown against him but rich camerio i'd forgotten he was the punter mm. for that kick so um yeah that was a that moment solidified at least marv's belief and you off the, like that off waivers if he told me to do something i was going to try and get it done and do it right and i and the next day, I remember too. On the Monday after the game, I don't. We I don't think we won the game. He brought it up in a team meeting and said, "Listen, we, we he'd never done this before. We coached him, and here it is, right here. It gave us a chance, and it did." So, I think that, as much as anything, was like, "Okay, I'm going to give this kid, a, you know, a longer leash." And what I think was
1: is so interesting about that is that they picked you up off waivers, and they, Marv Levy, had the intuition to say. This guy at this size with this athleticism is probably the perfect right. guy to yeah. be rushing punts for you to ultimately block seven of them in your career. You were coachable and you were, again, the the right type of athlete at the right size to be really good yeah, in that and Marv, really special area.
0: Marv had told his staff, he told me this years later, he told the staff on Monday when he took over for Hank Bulla. He walked in and the, it was Hank's staff and he oh, said, yeah, listen sure. guys, we're kind of, our roster set. We're not going to get any better on offense and we're not going to get much better on defense. But we can get better right away on special teams. Mm. Uh, one reason was Hank Bulla was really old school. He had no special teams coordinator, no special teams coach. I mean, Eli Pitts did the punt team. Uh, somebody else did the. That seems crazy punt to return. me today. And, yeah. You know, each each position coach had a different aspect of the team, special teams, and you know, Marv said, "Listen, we're we're not, not going to do that anymore." Um, <laughs> So he started to maximize the roster, and they pulled me in off waivers later that week. The guy who brought my name to Marv's attention on the waiver wire was a guy named Joe Faragelli, who was the offensive coordinator for the Houston Oilers my rookie year, the year before. He went on after that when Marv reassembled his staff, and he got his own guys in, and that staff of Hank Bullis was gone. Joe Faragelli went back to the Canadian Football League and won two Grey Cups as a head coach
1: he can hang his head on winning those great cups and, and being had, the guy that, that, putting that, the
0: finger on my name on the <laughs> yeah, waiver wire there yeah you go. so That's joe awesome. Faragelli, sweetheart of a guy and um he's the guy that took my name to marv and, and you always think you always think if, you know at some point you're like marv's going wow steve tasker's available this is awesome man we well, yeah we'll get him and marv told me he goes i didn't know who you were he goes i just <laughs> said hey pick him up hey this is
1: your story <laughs> and and that specific story to catapult your your wall of fame career is perfect for me as a draft guy. I, I think so many times players just need an opportunity that, that yeah. in today's NFL, so many undrafted guys, six, seventh rounders, they don't play very well in that first landing spot and it's a uh, hey, they're a yeah. sixth rounder, they can't play. They get picked up off waivers, they block a punt, and they become a wall of famer with that second team. I Steve is the perfect example and that story is a prime example. Sometimes it's just all about the opportunity and being able to get one even if you're not a marquee draft prospect or a big ticket item in free agency.
0: Well, it's like we just said, you know, in, in before the last segment ended that you know, this the the game last night, um, you know, Tyson Bajant. Undrafted exactly. beats Bryce, Bryce Young in a game in the rookie thought? seasons. Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, opportunity is the key, and uh, and being ready for it when it happens. You kind of spend your life preparing for something that may not happen. I did the same thing in my broadcast career for for CBS. Yeah, um, You always prepare 100% of the stuff so you know, but then when the game starts taking off, you don't have to use any of that. Mm. But when the game goes 63 to nothing, then you have to you dig all that out <laughs> yeah. and you have to start talking about everything but the game. Yep. Yep. Um uh, It's kind of the way it was. It's kind of way it is for an opportunity. You you spend your life preparing, and then the lights go out at the Super Bowl, and you're the only guy with a live mic, right? (laughs) So,
1: yeah. uh that's the way it goes. One thing. So that punter might still be having Steve Tasker nightmares. It, I it, it, I doubt I <laughs> I
0: doubt that he even gives me a second thought at this point. Uh, I'm sure Rich was off to bigger and better things. That, that's good. Well, Jamie, thanks for your question. I appreciate it. We'll be back with more after this. The top of the hour. Greg Cosell from NFL Films. We we'll be here to break down the Bills Broncos matchup. This is One Bills Live, and you're listening to Buffalo Bills Radio, presented by Kaleida Health.
2: Live, presented by
0: Kaleida Health. Welcome back to the show. Steve Tasker, Chris Trapasso here. We're, we are pleased now to be joined by NFL Films executive producer Greg Cosell. Greg Cosell's appearance on the show is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. Greg, thanks for coming on once again. It's good to see you. There has been no joy in Mudville this week. No. With the Bills hanging 18 points on the – On the uh, Bengals, but um, you know, the Bengals are on a heater and they're a handful for anybody to handle right now. The Bills took them to the six to you know, to a six point loss and turned it over minus two on the turnover rates uh, charts as well. And um, actually, turned out probably a little better than maybe the Bills deserved.
3: Yeah, no, uh, I mean, clearly. You know, it, it always—it's always interesting when you're not playing well overall. It's funny how all of a sudden teams games seem to get away from. The way you want them to start, you know, obviously the Bengals score on their first two possessions and you're trying to get into some kind of rhythm and flow and feel good about yourself because, you know, you're not playing great. And all of a sudden you look up and it's what 14 nothing. And, you know, when, when games are like that, Steve, you've been through this, I'm sure. And all of a sudden, you know, you you go through a whole week of practice, you're, you're feeling good about your, your plan and your approach. And then all of a sudden the game starts and you're down fourteen nothing and it just you know no no matter what people say even if it's early in the game still first quarter it it, it just changes the whole feel of the game am I right it's not the same yeah. that's right and um, as you get as this game took off
0: I mean it really got hard for them to get off to any kind of a good start when you know they went down uh, and the second series, Josh comes out on the first play and throws the interception. All of a sudden you're off the field again. You don't get, you don't see the football again after your first drive until eight and a half minutes or eight less than nine minutes to go in the second quarter. So you've really squandered the entire first half.
3: Yeah, no, that's true. Um, you know, it's, I mean, as you know, offensively, this team was really, while they've been good on defense the last number of years, clearly, um, and the numbers suggest that. I always felt like over the last three, four years, they were really an offensive team, you know, that they they could put up 30. I don't want to say with no problem. I'm not one of those people that believes in the NFL anything happens, you know, easily or at will, as some people talk. But this was a team you felt almost every week could put up 30, could put up more. That uh, And they made big plays in the pass game. And clearly that's one thing. Certainly over the last five weeks, where I don't think they've scored more than 25 points in any of these games the last five weeks, you just have not really seen big explosive plays in the pass game. Now, that's down big time in the league overall, explosives in the pass game, but the Bills were so based on that, I thought anyway, Just and and you guys know I watched... Every snap, I you know, I've seen every snap for years and years and years. You know, that's something you always sort of took for granted that there would be big plays in the passing game. And that's not really happening right now.
1: Greg, in watching the Bills this season, there was so much talk before the regular season started about 12 personnel. Obviously, Dawson Knox's injury kind of puts that on the shelf for a little bit. And early in the season, uh Knox wasn't really contributing in a big way. Kincaid the rookie tight end, was making some plays as Knox has gone out and the Bills' offense hasn't really been humming at that normal efficiency. Uh, they've been in a lot more 11 personnel with Kincaid yeah. as the only tight end on the field. Moving forward and maybe after next week when Knox should be back from injury, in what you've seen, what – like. What do you think the Bills are like, how are they at their best? Is it in 12 personnel? Is it in 11? Is it up-tempo? Is it huddling to give Josh Allen more time to kind of diagnose before the snap? What have you seen on film that seems to be the best course of action for this Bills offense, philosophically and personnel-wise,
3: moving forward? Boy, Chris, you just threw a lot out there. I feel like I have to write a paper in a college course now. And it's due there, now. There was a lot
1: there that, that <laughs>
3: could be addressed.
1: Yeah, we, I guess. I guess what I mean is, what addressed. do you think? What do you think? Is it eleven personnel or twelve personnel? Well, that the bill should lean on more. I think it goes more?
3: beyond a personnel issue. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, I think that you can be successful both ways. I mean, clearly, both Knox and Kincaid are athletic enough where they can detach from the formation. Mm -hmm. So you can be multiple with your formation looks out of 12 if you choose to be, if that's the way you want to play. Um, Much of that comes down, I think, to how uh, an opponent's defense, how you feel they're going to play you. Or as you start and go through your first or second series, are they going to play you in base or are they going to play you in, in nickel? That's something you have to see if you go with 12 because both receivers and certainly Kincaid are athletic players um 11 personnel is a little different i mean if if we're trying to you know I, we were joking around you know i was trying to say that hey i i want to be nice but you know i think that if you really are being honest and I, like i said i watched the bills once you get beyond stefan Diggs, who's a very very good receiver but not a true vertical dimension mm-hmm. um they don't really have a vertical dimension in the pass game and at some point, what that means is you've got to scheme and design route concepts that attack the field at all three levels. Um, okay. Again, I, I, I think you don't see a lot of that on tape, you, you know, and that's something I think they need to do. I feel like I'm, when I watch the Bills now that their offense is condensed and, you know, I'm not in the meetings. It's I'm not it's no knock on anybody in the building. I'm not there. I'm just telling you what the film shows. It's a condensed looking offense. And when you say that, you know, no question, when you're throwing the ball to you know the
0: the rookie tight end Kincaid as much as they are, and it's been interesting because in the last couple of games, Josh. It, Josh is really efficient. I mean, he's leading the league in yeah. completion percentages, but you're right. The only big plays they've gotten, the ones that think jump off the page are the ones where Steph Diggs breaks a tackle, goes the distance, you know, uh, in the Miami game where he does it for 55 yards. This last week against uh, Cincinnati when he spins right, on out the first of a tackle. series where he
3: caught in and went for 34 or whatever right, it exactly. was. Right, yeah. exactly.
0: That's kind of what they've been uh, reliant on for big plays, and that is unusual for this offense, but – and obviously, since we're talking about it, it's probably not worth the trade-off. Do you go with a seventy percent completion percentage, or do you go with the occasional big play? Which one's more
3: important? Well, I mean, there's obviously a balance and a trade-off, right? But what I will say is this: if if your offense is going to be, let let's use the word efficient. If you're going to throw a lot of short passes, okay, and 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 then then I think you're saying that hey. For us to score a touchdown, we're going to need more plays. So I think if you need more plays, then you need more balance. Okay, And by balance, I don't mean you have to have five runs and five passes, but I think the run game would need to become more of a factor if you're going to take the approach that, hey, we're going to throw the ball short, we're not really going to attack at the, at the deeper levels, then I think your offense needs the run game to be more of a factor. And I know early in the year they really worked on that and they had some success, but they've in some ways settled into that mode of the last couple of years where the run game has not been exactly what they want it to be. And then it becomes hard uh, because you eventually get to second and nine or third and nine and even though they're very good on third – see, that's that's kind of the weird thing. They've been – you know, they're still really good on third down. I think they're tied with the Eagles, uh, number one atop the league at 50%. Right. Um, but they're just not – you know, they're not scoring points. And, and I, that's not a profound statement. That's just the, what the numbers tell you. But they're not scoring points. And there's certainly – you're not seeing by, – by design, I'm talking about by design, you're not really seeing explosives in the past game.
1: Staying on the topic of balance, what I've noticed in watching the film is not a lot of screen game in this Bills offense. And to me, that's always been a very easy way for, again, I don't want to say ever, like anything's easy in the NFL, but a way that teams can have that extension of their run game. Do you think that suddenly, I mean, it's not like the Bills are going to all of a sudden throw 10 screens a game, but do you think that's important to kind of incorporate that? It's kind of felt like when they haven't been able to run it well and Josh Allen later in games is getting under pressure because those pass rushers can tee off. Do you think it is important for even a team that is trying to hit those explosive plays to have a screen game element with James Cook and then maybe Leonard Fournette, who they just signed?
3: I mean, obviously, you know, the more that you can show a defense, Chris, the better, Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't answer your question by saying no. Um, You know, I will say this too, and, 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 you know, I, I love Josh Allen. I mean, I he is I, – I think he's the most talented quarterback in the league. You know, people can debate the best. That That's for another time. But I think also – and I don't know whether he feels it or, you know, uh, or it's just in his DNA, but there are times that he's not as patient as he needs to be in the pocket to allow some, some route concepts and combinations to develop. And I think, you know, he's got to really work hard to do that um, – you know, we saw a play where he hit Shakir, I think, for 23 yards down the the right sideline. I think that was on the first or second possession. You know, and he ran out of the pocket. He still made the throw, but there was no reason for him to run out of the pocket. There was no pressure on him. Mm, and, right. you know, I think that he has to, at times, depending on what the route concepts are, I think he has to sit there and, and let it happen. Um, now, that's easy for me to say with a clicker, you know, where <laughs> I'm not going to get hit by anybody. Uh, you know, but, you know, I think sometimes, obviously... The intermediate downfield throws do take a little longer to develop, and and you know you have to feel comfortable with your pass protection.
0: So you get this uh, this spot where Josh needs to be a little more patient, and you mentioned the run game; it needs to be more effective. If the run game, I was looking at the stats for the for the Denver Broncos defense coming into this week. They run two high safety or split safeties about forty five yeah. percent of the time. They yeah. run it less than the Bills do. Do the Bills see more of that than other teams do with the split high safeties? Or is it kind of a league-wide thing where they're going to run – they're going to keep a lid on the offense with two safeties until you prove they can't do that and you run the ball? Is that kind of the the atmosphere?
3: That's league-wide, Steve. Right. That's what I'm asking. Explosives are really down in the league. Look, you know this. If you play with two high safeties – what are you taking away? You're taking away seams. I mean, if you play with single high, the seams are there, okay, unless you're going to carry guys and then it becomes a whole different form of zone. But, you know, what teams are doing more than ever is they're starting in a quarters structure and then they're sort of kind of rotating, disguising. but and, and what happens if the quarterback – because you don't have a lot of time. You take the snap, and if you're unclear as to exactly what you see, what a lot of quarterbacks are starting to do is check the ball down, which is another reason why there's not as many explosives. But the, but the fact is split safety has become a much bigger deal throughout the entire league. The numbers reflect that, um, and, and actually teams can do a lot more uh, with – a quarter structure to start. They can get to anything from a quarter structure. And so it makes it a little tougher for quarterbacks and the pass game. I mean, I'm watching the Chiefs, and it's the same deal. They're not getting explosive plays either in the pass game. I have a question about two of the Bills receivers.
1: You mentioned one of them, Khalil Shakir. Over the last couple weeks, we've started to see him out on the field a little bit more, uh, had those two 20-plus-yard plays against the Bengals. Do you think he is, I don't know, just good enough, has the skill set to be that – Possession slot receiver underneath, and then another receiver, Deontay Hardy. He's small, he's five foot six. Do you think that he has the skill set to play on the outside? He only had three snaps against the Bengals, and I thought personally he should be on the field more because he does have what you mentioned the ability to stretch defenses vertically. They tried the one deep ball, didn't get there. It just feels yeah, like
3: and, and a woozy ran with him stride for stride, Chris. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So, yeah. Um, But I would say that in response to the first part of your question, I love Shakir. I loved him coming out of Boise. I thought that at Boise, he played inside and outside. I thought he could be a quality receiver in this league. Now, having said that, you know, he's not he's not a special talent. I mean, you're not talking about a guy that's going to be the dominant receiver in your pass game, but I think that he's absolutely qualified to be a number three for sure. And line up anywhere because teams do more with formations now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if you had, I think it, I think it depends on the rest of your receiving core. I mean, like I said, they just don't really have a vertical guy, but I really like Shakir. I, I really liked him coming out. So, I, you know, I'm glad to see him playing more because I think he's the kind of guy that can, you know, get open in, in zone areas. He catches the ball. He's got run after catch to him. You know, I, I, I'd i like to see that continue. Hardy, on the other hand, is is gimmick's not the right word, but he's a specialty player. Okay. Um, you're not going you to play him a lot of snitch. Okay. You can't play him a lot of snaps. I mean, they tried the deep ball with him. Um, obviously, a woozy ran with him stride for stride. I remember him in New Orleans a few years back. It was the year Jameis Winston got hurt after eight games, mm-hmm. and he caught two or three really long touchdowns where he ran by the defense. That's worth taking a shot. Um, you know, and then you might use him in other ways like jet sweeps, things like that, where you believe you're taking advantage of his speed. But he's not a 40 50 snap a game player. Okay.
0: How good can Dalton Kincaid be? I mean, obviously, he's gotten an expanded role with Knox being injured, yeah. uh, and he's caught over you know 20 balls over the last three weeks. So they, he's getting a ton of targets, and he catches everything. Um, what do you see?
3: Yeah, I really like Kincaid. Uh, he was another guy I loved coming out. Um, you know, now, to me, the next step with him, because he does have this ability, is to, you know, sort of expand – Um, the route concepts get him a little more on, on intermediate routes. He certainly has the speed to, to run the seam and run wheel routes, you know, things of that nature, which we've seen a little of, you know, I think you want to keep working in that area, but he's also a really good safety valve. The kind of guy, you know, in an ideal world, he's the kind of guy that when it's third and seven, you throw it to him and you get nine and you get a first down, you know, he's that guy as well. I think he can be a complete receiving tight end. He's, he's got all those traits. Um, so you'd like to think that his role will continue to expand as well um as you go forward because he certainly can do it. um, but they just need you know it's funny sometimes when you watch a team uh on either side of the ball, you know, and I've seen this because I, I you know this is what I do i I pretty much watch every team, and sometimes you just see them get in a little bit of a rut, and I can't quite figure out exactly all the reasons you know you can talk about them, you know, obviously, I'm not there in the meetings. But they just, it just feels to me watching their offense like it's just in a little bit of a rut. Like they're trying to figure out how to get out of it. And they show flashes once in a while, but it's just not quite happening the way they want it to happen.
1: Yeah, one last uh, question for me, and I'll, I'll make it straightforward. Uh, Gabe Davis. Is it the lack yeah. of production? Is it he's running too many clearing routes where he's just like not really in the progression technically? Is he having problems uh, creating separation? What have you seen individually last couple games? The Bills just have not gotten number two type production out of their big play wide receiver.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, I would answer that Chris with the, by saying that he's been there for a number of years now and essentially, and, and, and. and all I can say is is ultimately what the results are okay I don't know how it's all put together but the results indicate that he's you don't know what you're going to get from Gabe Davis within the context of the passing game week to week mm-hmm. that is not a knock on Gabe Davis as a you know as a player but he's the way it plays out on a weekly basis it doesn't play out as if he's a a quality number 2 that you can count on every week now maybe he is And maybe it's not him, but that's not the way it plays out. And they need it to play out that way. Right. Give us your
0: synopsis uh, at first glance and maybe, you know, from this side of the game uh, for this Monday night game between Buffalo and Denver, Denver coming in. um, Yeah. They're coming in. Uh, off their bye week? They, off their bye off week. Their bye two week. straight wins. Um,
3: they beat the Chiefs the week prior. That's right. Playing and they, really good defense. Really right. good defense. Got
0: five turnovers off the Chiefs. Chiefs Helped yeah. the Chiefs to nine points, which is unprecedented. And, I, and as as rough as it's been here in Buffalo Bills country after the Cincinnati loss, I could only imagine what Chiefs fans were talking about in Kansas City after scoring nine points on the Broncos defense that gave up 70 to the dolphins. So what, you know, what are your thoughts about this Denver team coming into Buffalo in its, in its current moment?
3: Yeah, they got all, they have a lot of young explosive edge rushers. Um, they've got, you know, they got, uh, Browning from Ohio State, who's in, who's now become a, a full-time edge player. They've got Benito from Oklahoma, who's an explosive athlete. They've got Cooper from Ohio State. Um, they're, these are three guys who are really good off the edge. They're explosive athletes. Um, they've got two linebackers in Jewel and Singleton who are just savvy kinds of players. Um, and you know, they're they're a quick, fast defense. They've got a great corner. It'll be interesting to see if it's a true matchup, because uh, Patrick Sertan may be the best pure corner in the league. So it'll be interesting to see if they match him up on Diggs. Obviously, they move Diggs around a lot, so he's not going to be matched up to him on every single snap. Um, But if he lines up outside Diggs, uh that'll be a matchup that would be fun to watch. But they're kind of a young defense with um, a lot of juice to them and uh, they're not an easy defense to play against.
1: What about offensively? That Russell Wilson we talked about it earlier in the show, his sack rate is at 10% again after he led the league with 55 sacks last season, had the most sacks in football. That game, beating the Chiefs, super impressive. You mentioned everything defensively, the five turnovers. Has the offense been any better the last couple weeks, or have they really been riding the defense, beating the Packers and the Chiefs?
3: Yeah, it's more the defense, Chris. I okay. mean, they're trying to run the ball with Javante Williams, who's a real strong runner. You need to get bodies to him because he can run through people. Um, Wilson's been up and down this year. Uh, you know, he's he's obviously made some throws. He's, see, here's a classic case where his numbers look really good. But if you watch the tape, it, it, that's not what he looks like on film. But the numbers are good. Um, and certainly he can be good. You know, he's, he's had success in this league. Um, you, you, have to get people around him. You have to make him break down. He'll break down quick. He's not the same athlete he was, you know, five, six years ago. Um, so, you know, you need to do that. I mean, it's really important in this game to get people around him real quick because, you know, he tends to break down. He's smaller. So there are certain things he just can't see. Um, but they're going to try to run the football. I mean, they're they're That's kind of what they do best at this point and Javante Williams is is a is a tough guy to deal with he's a strong physical powerful runner
0: Greg thanks so much Greg Cosell NFL Films a senior producer thanks for spending time with us man we'll see you again next week it's always a treat thanks Greg all right guys appreciate it thank you so much all right Greg and before we actually take a break here we're going to go to the podium Ed Oliver defensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills is speaking to the media let's go take Ed right now
4: Uh, uh, it's kind of different. We're a little bit later in the week, and uh, normally today is a fast Friday, but we out here just working. Good, feel good outside. Nice little uh, breeze and overcast, so the air conditioning is definitely on outside. So we just out here working.
2: So I mean, what what? How do you get out of this funk? I know you're going in. You've been here for quite a while, right? And
4: yeah.
3: How do
2: you deal with this roller coaster? win game,
4: lose game, win game, lose game, it's, it's kind of new. You know? uh, just, just for us as a as a defense and as a whole team, the first on defense, we got to do our part as a D-line. We got to get back to having the negative plays, the sacks, the TFLs, and uh, obviously the takeaways. When we get back to that, it makes everything a whole lot easier, a whole lot better for not just us as a D-line getting our mojo back, but just for the whole team. So I think if we just start by uh, everybody on the D-line doing our job, starting with me, uh, <clears throat> I think we won't be in the phone for long. We'll just go back to our winning ways, I guess. How much was
1: the control injury impacting
4: you and like how how much better do you feel now? Uh uh, I mean it's just a honestly it's just day to day. Some days feel better than other days, but uh man, like I said at the beginning of the season, a healthy at Oliver is a bad you know what I'm saying? So just me having trying to get back to being healthy so I can be dominant as I wanna be on uh Sundays is just that's everything. I've been grinding in the training room, trying to get get myself back right. So I'm I'm feeling a whole lot better than I was feeling. So hopefully I can get my rep count back up and uh, get more opportunities. And obviously, cause I'm a I'm a guy who who needs first and second down to be effective on third down. Just come, coming coming off the bench for just third down was kind of affecting me uh, with the rhythm and everything. But hopefully get, me getting my rep back rep count back up and being more of a factor will help me, you know put the quarterback down and tackle the running back in the backfield, you know, just get my mojo back.
2: And the mojo. You got five sacks already, man. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, how how um how would you rate yourself mid season a, a healthy ed out yeah.
4: with mid Uh like I said, man, I got five sacks. I need uh three more to hit the center. So that's the only thing on my mind. And then after that everything after that is is just extra on top. So right now that's I got uh what we got? Nine games left? No, seven, eight. Eight games, what? Eight? Eight? Yeah, this ten, and then seven. So I got seven to get three, and then anything past that is is uh, it's just good money. But I mean, that's just my, what my headspace is at, and just go out there and affect every game and wreck and cause havoc, and obviously get uh, <coughs> get uh, one of my main goals is get Vaughn on the board because uh, he ain't on the board yet. So just get guys on the board along with myself, just giving guys layups and alleys like always. If it's not me getting a sack, you know what I'm saying? Just causing havoc and uh, creating team success.
0: Do you have a goal like that with something like, bottom? oh, I this goal is for my teammate, but I can help him if I open
4: up other things? Yeah, like uh, last week we had a, a, a game called, and I mean, he just missed it by a little bit. I think Phil and, uh, Phil and Flo end up splitting it, but it's like, hey, I'm trying to really really trying to get him on the board. And uh I know he, you know, once you get that one, for a guy like him, they just like a snowball effect. So just trying to get him on the board, uh, get everybody around me on the board. And uh, when everybody's eating, everybody's rushing, that's when the plays really start to to pile up. And they, sacks kind of just fall in. And big plays just kind of just fall in when everybody's doing their job and just rushing. So we just just keep that camaraderie and make sure everybody eat. It makes it a whole lot easier.
3: As you watch Vaughn, you feel like he's getting closer and closer and closer?
4: Definitely. You you can see it in practice. Him just getting more comfortable and the way he's moving and it, it's coming. And I'm a, I'm gonna help him get there too. As you
2: know, uh, flow more and more. What is he like? Like what is when you mention
4: camaraderie? How does he fit into this room? <coughs> it, it's hard to explain flow because he don't talk a lot, but he do talk a lot. And he quiet, but he's funny, but he. He reserved, but he's not reserved at the same time. So he he a, he a funny guy to put into words, but he's just been a great veteran presence, especially at the DM position, uh, providing sack production, TFLs, things like that. He's been a very productive guy. Uh, been a great guy for uh, Greg and A.J. to uh, learn from and the young guys to learn from along with Vaughn. Just a good veteran presence. He's been in the league for a long time, and he is definitely for a reason.
3: Make a Linval Joseph's debut last week and how can he be an impact guy? Yeah, I've seen, yeah, I seen it. it.
4: That's a big mother. <laughs> that's probably the biggest human I ever seen. Literally. Behind second, uh well, him, him and then Big Phil. When I saw somebody that was bigger than Big Phil, I said, Oh my God. And then that's when I got to meet him. And he really just a he's just a gentle giant, a, a good guy to be around, good veteran presence. Uh somebody i can learn from he got a couple of moves i can take from his game even though he way bigger than me but uh he got a couple of moves he just got savvy at the game over the years so it's good for me to just learn from him and take a couple moves from him yeah
0: that was Ed Oliver addressing the media just a minute ago after practice. And anything strike you about about what Ed was talking uh,
1: about? Well, and, we know Big Phil is Jordan Phillips, right? Flo Leonard Floyd. It took me a second to get right. You all got to decipher the
0: the words, nicknames. Yeah, Leonard. He said, you know, obviously Leonard Floyd. Um, there's a couple of snap, and I know a lot of people didn't see too much positive coming out of the Cincinnati game. Leonard Floyd's playing at a high level. He is. Uh, he didn't. He's not getting. You know, the only way people find out is if he's got like umpteen sacks in a game or whatever. But that guy's causing some problems back there. Uh, he's playing really well. And Linval Joseph coming in off the couch, like uh, like Ed said, he's a he's a big body. And I was talking to. If you notice this, there seems to be a niche market of guys like Leonard Fournette. Um. Flo, um. Linval Joseph, mm-hmm. um, a little bit like Josh, Josh Norman, yep. uh, but those are just the Bills examples. There are other examples out there. There are guys who, are, who are, you would think, hey, you he might have something left in the tank, who are kind of waiting for the opportunity to kind of parachute in to a contender. Uh, we saw it, and we've seen it in years past.
1: And parachuting in midway through the season because maybe their bodies aren't ready to go through the rigors of hey, I training, get it. training camp. Exactly, Steve would know. Training camp in September, October. Come in in November, and you're basically hoping to play November, December, January, and a game in February, and you can still get quality production out of them. Linville Joseph was good on the Eagles last season. And to going back to, to Ed Oliver, he said, you know, a healthy Ed Ed Oliver is a bad man, and and he is playing, I think, his best football. he's playing well. All three downs that he's played in his career. Beyond just being healthy, I think an Ed Oliver next to a big body, a star Latule, a healthy Jordan Phillips – uh, Linval Joseph. I think that is really what is needed for the up-the-field pass rusher that Ed is to really be accentuated in this defense.
3: All right,
0: we're going to take a break after the Ed Oliver sound and the Greg Cosell uh, visit. Uh, we appreciate that. We're going to come back. we have a little bit of mail from the OBL Friday fan mailbag for today. We'll be back. This is One Bills Live on Buffalo Bills Radio presented by Kaleida Health. We'll be right back. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Before we get to the uh, tweet sheet and the uh, mail, uh, the Tailgate Friday fan mailbag, we're going to do Collision Course. Collision Course is brought to you by Gabe's Collision. Gabe's Collision, the official auto collision repair center of the Buffalo Bills. Get back in the game, Collision Course. I, for us, I think, for me, it's going to be about the Bills pass rush against the the Denver offensive line, their front four against the Denver's uh, offensive line. Denver's offensive line has struggled to protect in the past, so they have tried to compensate for that by running the ball mm-hmm. a, lot. a lot and never getting into all obvious passing situations. And that uh, it will be up to the Bills' front four and a front seven a to stop the run and get them into obvious passing situations, but also take advantage of it when they do. That's a real matchup. Issue that's going to be, I think, that is one of the deciding, if not the deciding factor of the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned it twice. Russell Wilson led the league or was sacked the most of any quarterback last season, fifty-five times. Was at ten percent sack rate. He's at the same sack rate this season. Uh, we just heard from Matt Oliver. He said that even in practice, it seems like Von Miller is starting to get ramped up, where he's playing like that same explosive, bendy, and powerful player that that we've seen his entire career. And despite all the injuries on the defense, the defensive front is actually relatively healthy. You add Linval Joseph, um, you add, um, you know, Rousseau is back. He's maybe not 100% from that foot, but Oliver missed a game. He's not playing, or he will play Shaq Lawson as well. They're what Sean McDermott wants in terms of the
0: rotation up front. Yeah, Jordan can, Phillips is a big part of that. Big part well. of that as I mean, well. They, yeah, they losing losing uh, DeQuan Jones and Linval Joseph does a lot to help that, but also Her- uh, Jordan Phillips is, has always been a big dude. Those big bodies down inside, and it's on those guys this week to set the tone. I think for this running game of the of the Denver Broncos, if you can get them, uh, I don't know if you're ever going to get them to stop running the football mm-hmm. unless. You start playing, <clears throat> let me just give the finger quotes here, complimentary football. If yep. your offense scores a couple of points, a couple of touchdowns in the first half, or three touchdowns in the first half, and, and puts starts to stretch it out, that will help take them out of the run game as much as stuffing it on first and second And round.
1: directly to the Bills' pass rush against the the Broncos' offensive line. Russell Wilson only has four interceptions on the season, so it's not like you're gonna pressure him into a five interception game and and just historically his interception rate in his career is under two percent, which is extremely low. You're trying to get the sacks. You're trying to get yeah. him off his base to make a bad decision. He will throw down. it away. Yes, a lot.
0: He'll hang on to it, He'd, hang on to it, and he'll throw it away. Or he'll eat it. Yeah. And you'll sack him. He'll take a sack, he'll throw it away then maybe you can get him a tipped interception or something. Sure. He does not put the ball in harm's way. And when he throws it, his deep ball, we've all seen it a million times. We've been watching this guy from for a decade in Seattle and then last year, yep. even in Denver. He has the ability to throw the that big, high, rainbow ball out to a point where maybe his receiver can get it, but he knows no defender can get it. Yeah, Really good at that. It has a great feel for it. And we
1: talked about this uh, during one of the breaks, actually, How the last month and a half, I think an underrated element to the Bills' lull on offense has been the difference in field position, that when your defense is forcing a lot of turnovers, a lot of three and outs, uh, the Bills have in the past, uh, first month of this season and then from 2020 until then, we're really in a lot of advantageous situations, field position-wise, if you can get some of those sacks on Russell Wilson, that could be the key. You could have a Russell Wilson game without an interception. If he gets sacked four, five, six, seven times, in most of those cases, they're probably going to be on second and third downs. You're going to be able to get the Bills where they don't have to start on their 10-yard line. Like It felt like they did the entire game against the Cincinnati Bengals. So the interceptions... Probably not going to see them, or shouldn't bank on them. This is not one of those quarterbacks that makes a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, throws it away, but the sacks will be big in this. Yeah, game. I
0: think the most you can hope for is maybe a sack strip. Yeah, uh, but even then, he he protects the ball really well. But um, uh, that is it. Tell that is uh, that's our collision course Friday. We're going to move on and go to tailgate Friday, presented by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, the official health care plan of the Buffalo Bills. The tailgate tweet so we got a couple of them today from uh, elizabeth she says what are you going to eat on uh, game day navajo tacos with bison and pinto bean filling three cheese mexican radish slaw avocado sour cream salsa denver dip with frank's hot sauce and veggies and whiskey sours go girl
1: wow so that speaks i think directly to that what we talked at the outside of this show, like what do you do all the way until Monday? And it sounds like Elizabeth has a, is going to take advantage of that extra time on her hands and do Navajo tacos, bison, pinto bean, all of that to get all those ingredients into her Monday night dinner before the game yeah. or maybe even during the game. She's maximizing her time very well.
0: Mexican radish slaw, avocado, sour cream slaw. Yeah, that's Amazing. a lot of stuff. we got one more, this one from Ed. Definitely having delicious wings, just in case we'll have humble pie nearby. Mm. Just in case. There's a guy, there's a lot of people teetering. I, and I'll say this, the bandwagon's got some room. Um, people were, people were. they weren't, they were more like, you know, kind of quietly, you know, quiet goodbye where you, you don't say goodbye to anybody, you just kind of disappear. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff going on on the Bills <laughs> bandwagon. People are kind of, you know, giving the silent goodbye going away so Which I,
1: previously there was no room on the right there
0: mic. used to be no room now there are people fi- you know giving up their seats just yeah
1: quietly so what about you monday night what do you got what do you mean food wise yeah like is there anything in particular that's your game day no, meal or no. a
0: prime time meal i i'm i'm in the press box so whatever the bills are serving okay. that's what i get sure. yeah okay. i do i do have a couple of stops in the parking lot that i go to oh nice um I go to gyms, which is right here in front of the field house. Okay, and then I, I've got a couple of other spots that I kind of nice. stop by. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I'm one of the. I, I um, and for no other for good reason. I, I go everywhere. I walk everywhere and and don't get bothered or whatever. I just I you don't get bothered. No, I don't ever get bothered. Really. Be- I, Cause everybody's in, I, you know, put oh, bills gear bill on, and on. You just, got a hat on, and I'm yeah. not six six. Yeah, true. You know? People are like, I'm just another, I'm just some other Jamo You probably we're like in a, that, right? Wearing a bills hat. It's it's not bad. It does have its moments. I mean, Jim Kelly's so. a big dude, so like he's he's recognized. Jim, yeah, Jim shows up and has his routine where he's at his thing, goes in the stadium a certain amount of time before. Oh, okay. And then comes out, and he's always he goes down on the field for a minute as well. And I would say someone like Bruce Smith probably gets recognized pretty quickly. Bruce can't go anywhere. Bruce is like Josh. <laughs> yeah. People know Bruce. Yeah. Bruce is – yeah, he's – and for, and rightfully, the guy's got more sacks in the NFL than anybody in history. Yeah, that's true. He's got 200 sacks. The guy – yeah, when he shows up, people turn heads for sure.
1: So my – very quickly, my tailgate, the Parker Brothers, I go there every home game. They're doing chicken and waffles, uh, which I'm really excited for. They were awesome <laughs> – Last year, it was a, a menu item that a lot of people were asking for. Of course, for the Jets, before Thanksgiving, they'll do deep fried turkey, but chicken and waffles. I'm really excited for those. All right.
0: We're going to take another break. We're going to come back with your um, mailbag questions to wrap things up. Steve Tasker, Chris Trapasso, thanks for joining us. We'll be here till the top of the hour. This is Buffalo Bills Radio, and this is One Bills Live presented by Kaleida Hill. Welcome back to One Bills Live. It's now, time now for Vision to Victory, presented by AtWall Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. Chris, tell me about the Bills offense and their, the way they're going to win this game, if it happens.
1: Spreading around the football. We saw it a lot against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which probably to most fans and to me was the best that we've seen this Bills offense operate over this 3-3 three and three stretch over the last six. That doesn't mean Stefan Diggs has two catches at, like, Everyone only has a few catches, but getting Kincaid involved again, Josh Allen running the football like he did here on that touchdown against the Buccaneers. And how about more Deontay Hardy? How about Trent Sherfield? They signed those two receivers after flirting with Odell Beckham Jr. and DeAndre Hopkins. They clearly wanted to upgrade the wide receiver spot, and instead of doing it with a big-ticket item who's in their 30s, they did it with two players in Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield, who they probably felt had a little more upside Getting them involved. They don't necessarily need to have 100-yard games, but then suddenly I think things open up for Gabe Davis, for Diggs, for the run game, like you mentioned with the two high safeties. If you're dink and dunking underneath, suddenly they can't just sit back in that two deep safety shell spreading the football around makes this entire offense way more difficult to defend and it can help them win this game.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. If if the Bills don't turn it over, they're going to be really almost impossible to beat. But Josh does it a lot and it, nobody cares when he turns it over as long as they're scoring points. And exactly. when they don't score points then it becomes a problem and they lose by a single possession, I think that's going to be the key for this. We said it last week and actually it was prophetic, you know, if whoever if you go down 2-0 or 0 oh and 2 in the turnover margin Stop. you're going to lose and that's what, exactly what happened to the buffalo bills i think this week uh they're going to continue to throw the football all over the yard i think josh is still going to complete a, a high percentage of his passes and i think they're just going to outdistance the broncos i think they, i think they're going to have too much to handle for him offensively and they'll be able to make too many plays so i, I think that's going to be the way the game goes i think the bills offense whether they score 50 or not they're going to be on the field, and they're going to be efficient, and they're going to just be too much for the Broncos to keep up with.
1: And I think last week's game against the Bengals, we didn't see as much play action. We didn't really see any semblance of a run game from the Bills because they got into that hole. I think at home, if you don't start down 14-7 to or 21-7, to then your entire playbook is opened up. You can get James Cook involved like he was starting to get involved in the past game, on the outside runs, on inside runs. More balance overall, like you mentioned, without – losing the turnover battle by 2 or 3 in this game could lead to a Bills blowout and will just lead to the Bills, I think, down the stretch playing a lot more consistent football, making them, again, essentially impossible to beat when they're playing like that.
0: All right, that sounds good. One more last one from Ed on the tweet sheet. He says that Broncos come into Monday night's game relatively healthy and the Bills resemble a mass unit with injuries galore in key positions. How do the Bills overcome this mismatch? I think they will. I think they're still better than the uh, physically better than the than the Denver Broncos. I think they're still going to be the team to beat.
1: And what we've talked about, I like the fact that a lot of these backups, second, third string players, have now gotten a lot of experience. So suddenly they're not deer in headlights when they're asked to be out there making plays on that side of the
0: ball. Yep. All right. Last one from Kent Hull's son Drew. I have a question regarding the injuries incurred these past couple of years. Is something could be potential systematic or just bad luck? It's just bad, bad luck. luck. These guys are they're the top of the curve, Drew, and I uh, I love it that you're asking. But we'll see if they can stay healthy the rest of the way. We'll see you Monday at noon for a three-hour pregame.